Our sermon title this morning is Self-Aware. I've got a question for you this morning. Turn in your Bible to Daniel chapter 2. Then we're also going to be in Daniel chapter 4 a few moments after that. Let me ask you a question briefly. Do you know yourself? I mean, do you really know yourself? And I know you're thinking, Brother Marcus, you know what? I spend more time with me than I do with anybody else. Yes, I know myself. I've got this covered. Uh, but I would argue that the majority of us don't know ourselves like we think we know ourselves. And, and with the sermon series, Self-Aware, and we'll be getting to that a little bit more. But what does it mean to know yourself? I mean, have you ever thought about it? To really assess your strengths, your weaknesses, how people perceive you, how you see yourself, how you project yourself, are you self-aware? Think about yourself for just a moment. You don't hear that a lot in church. Think about yourself. Are you self-aware or are you self-unaware? Let me, I kind of came up with a little list in my notes of people that are unaware. Look at this next slide right here. The story topper. Have you ever heard of a story topper? This is the kind of person you book your cruise to Alaska and like, hey man, we just booked our cruise to Alaska. They're like, hey, we're going to the moon. <laughs> you caught a fish this big, they caught one that big. They're always going to top your story. They've got bigger, better, badder, whatever the case is. A story topper. Look at this next one. Preachers do this a lot. Humble brag. I caught myself doing it last week. I was literally try, trying to tell somebody about how humble I was there for a second. And I was like, Marcus, you are so full of yourself. What's wrong with you? Humble brag. Some, if you follow any famous preachers on Twitter or social media, they'll do this sometimes. I just left a conference in Australia, preached to 30,000, hashtag humble. No, you're not. Or you wouldn't be telling me all about it, right? Humble, hashtag blessed. Humble brag. Okay. Now look at this next one. Uh, you're not self-aware if you're never wrong. Okay, go ahead and look at your wife, look at your husband. That's what happened in the first service. Self-unaware, you're never wrong. Look at the next one. Uh, you don't take advice. Ah, right? There's some people, some people sometimes will come in for some counseling, and maybe you lay out for them as a minute, you know, like this is what God's Word says, you know, ABC, and then they go out and they do XYZ instead of ABC, and things go bad, and they wonder why. And the truth is sometimes it's why we can't take advice. We're, self, we're not aware of ourselves. Look at this next one. You think people are always thinking about you. Now, this is prevalent in our society, right? We're thinking that everybody else is always thinking about us. They're not. And my favorite one is the, are the people who post on social media all their business. 50% of their social media activity is all their business. And the other 50% is telling you to stay out of their business. I'm like, I don't know how. I feel like your business is on my cell phone 24 Seven, self-unaware, very confusing, very confusing. Look at this next one. Some of you don't have a filter. Don't have a filter. <laughs> uh, I had a lady. Uh, Y'all would think she was a sweet old lady. She's not. And um, <laughs> she don't go here. They don't go here anymore. Um, it was time change. True story. I'm not going to say any names. But it was time change, and they, they got up wrong, whatever. And she was in here telling me and Scott about I think it was Scott. And uh, didn't Scott do a good job this morning? Give him a hand. That boy is wearing his little, little Superman glasses. All right, so, but listen, listen. Hey, don't filter. Sorry. Filter, filter. And so and she cussed standing right here. She cursed. Now, you may think it, but can't we at least not cuss in church? Amen. I don't know. No filter. I just, I don't know what, I just say what I think. Well, quit it. 
Look at this next line. It's always somebody else's fault. It's always somebody else's fault, right? I'm the victim. It's always their fault. I never do anything. My mama's fault. My daddy's fault. It's the church's fault. It's the pastor's fault. It's that lady that I work with. It's always somebody else's fault, but I've never done anything wrong. You're self-unaware. Uh, look at this next one. The overtalker. I have been this dude, okay? I'm sorry. Some of you have hung out with us, and you're like, wow, does Alicia know how to speak? Because I don't think... She was allowed to talk. That's weird. Some kind of weird religion. And so um, I've overtalked before. You know how it is. Sometimes when you see a mega overtalker coming, you try to avoid them because you know you don't have time. And then they catch you and they're just blah, 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 blah. And you're, and you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really got, yeah, yeah. And they hit you with those transitional sentences and you think it's wrapping up. And they're like, and so, you know, and that's why, oh, okay. And nope, they're still talking. The overtalker, not aware of yourself. Uh, look at the next one. Self-unaware. You wear something immodest or that doesn't complement your age, body type, or profession. Kind of, <laughs> I kind of feel like that speaks for itself. Amen? Look at the next one. If you think this message is for someone else, <laughs> you are not self-aware, my friend. You are not self-aware. Most people uh, think they know themselves pretty good, but they don't. Write this down real quick as we get started. We can only know ourselves when we really know the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. We can only know ourselves when we really know the one who created us and made us and for the purposes that he created us for. And if you don't know him, then you're going to go through life never understanding his plan. You'll never know why on earth you're here on this earth if you don't know him. But I want you to understand, do you know the one who knows you better than anybody else? But also, write this down. I want to throw this out there as we talk about this this morning. You're just not the point of everything, right? Knowing yourself is simply a benefit of being a believer, right? When we're trusted in Christ and we know the one who's created us, he gives us insight into who we really are. That's how we really know ourselves, but that's not the point of everything. Like, it's not all about, ooh, I'm just going to discover me and look at my navel. It's great. I mean, it's, that's not what this life is about. What is it about? Loving God and loving others. Jesus told us this in Matthew chapter number 22. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself to glorify God and to reflect him into the lives of other people. That's why God saved us and he's left us here so that we could reach others. But today I'm going to be talking about kind of a difficult subject, kind of a tough subject. I'm going to try to summarize. There's this guy, he absolutely went, uh, what's uh, 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 cuckoo for cocoa puffs or whatever. He, lo- he literally loses his mind. And he didn't start that way, but everything that happens to him is because of pride. Because of pride. And he's going to have this amazing transformation. It's going to be awesome. He sees the sovereignty of God. And that brings us to the question Does God run your life or do you run your life? Is God sovereign in your life? Now, most Christians would be like, you know, God's number one. God rules my life. God is on the throne of my heart. He's on the throne of my life. But our life says something different, that that's not really the case, that he's not really in control. He's not really calling the shot. And here's the the sneaky thing about this subject this morning is almost nobody in here would say that God's not in control, that God's not in charge. But we live as if he's not in charge and he's not in control. We live that way. Now, today, today, the guy we're going to be talking about, look at this next slide, is Nebuchadnezzar. 
Now, aren't you glad I didn't make that a fill-in-the-blank on your notes this morning? Amen? It, you just wrote Neb. Neb. Listen, his name, the reason why I show you his name, his name means judgment and tears. This is a serious dude. Right? Definitely an alpha male type, type A personality. A brilliant guy. Let me tell you what he would do. When he would, uh, he would conquer other nations, and once he conquered them, as he was expanding his kingdom, he would adopt and adapt their gods, lowercase g, their gods, and bring them back to Babylon and make them part of his kingdom. He would adopt their gods, and he would adapt them and make them more Babylonian and bring them into the kingdom. And then also what he would do is he would take the best and the brightest out of the nation that he invaded, and he would take the best, the brightest, bring them back to Babylon, educate them, make them Babylonian, and then give them jobs in his government. And so Onezer is prospering doing this. His kingdom is exploding, and you see it happening again and again. But Onezer, Nebuchadnezzar, had a problem. He's self-unaware. He had a pride issue, a pride issue. Now, when you're talking about any kind of sin, you really have to start with pride. Write this down. Pride is the precursor. Pride is the beginning of almost every sin that we experience, everything that we do, because it starts with, I know better than God. God says, don't do this, but I know what makes me happy. God says, don't say, don't be there. Don't, you know, God said, I, when I, when I get, have an outburst of anger, when I get lost in my lust, when I get greedy, it means I'm full of myself and not full of God. Pride. And so again, Nebuchadnezzar would invade these nations. He'd take their lowercase g gods, and he would take their best and brightest and bring them back into Babylon. But Nebuchadnezzar didn't have a clue that when he invaded the nation of Judah, and he took up them boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, when he brought them boys into Babylon, that he was bringing Jehovah God, the God of Israel, into Babylon. And so he was actually inviting in the very one that was going to rule and reign over Nebuchadnezzar's life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I can't, I can't never not say it. Uh, I had a preacher one time talked about a little boy. Shadrach, Meshach, and a black billy goat. Amen? Black billy goat. Them three boys and Daniel, they were missionaries, man. When they went, they took God with them. And when every time they were given the opportunity to be a witness for God, that's exactly what they did. Now, I wonder who God has brought into your life. Who's the Shadrach, Meshach, Black Billy Goat, and Daniel in your life? Who invited you to church? Who's been encouraging you? Who points you in the right direction and not in the wrong direction? Right? You need to listen to them. And so Nebuchadnezzar, again, he bring these people back. And old Nezer, he had dream problems. He had problems with his dreams. One time he has a dream, and he wants somebody to tell him what the dream was, step one. And then step two, give me the interpretation. And I'm summarizing this, but through a chain of events, Daniel ends up in front of him. And God gives Daniel the dream, and God gives Daniel the interpretation. So Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about a statue, this big statue and a rock. It's really cool. Read it this afternoon. But the head was made out of gold. And look in your Bible at Daniel chapter 2, verse 37. Daniel says to King Nebuchadnezzar, he goes, you, O king, are king of kings. I love it. He says he's a what? A. There's only one the. I'm sorry. Moving on. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven... He has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. 
You are this head of gold. In other words, you dreamed about this statue. Here's the interpretation. You're the, you're the head of gold, right? And so Nebuchadnezzar here, and there's other more there, but he's introduced to this sovereign God that rules over everything. And Daniel is saying, Nebuchadnezzar, you rule and reign because there's one who rules and reigns over you that has decided to let you rule and reign. And you think Nebuchadnezzar go, that's pretty cool. My life's pretty good. I'm the number one man around. Right? Maybe tell me more about this God or something like that. But he doesn't. What does Nebuchadnezzar do? He had this dream about a gold statue, I mean, a statue with a gold head and the interpretation Nebuchadnezzar, you're that head. It represents your kingdom. So he goes out and he builds a 90 foot by 9 foot statue of himself. Of himself. And the whole thing is gold. See, just a head of gold wasn't good enough for Nebuchadnezzar. It's basically like he's saying, Daniel, thank you for filling me in about this sovereign God who rules and reigns, but I like me some me. I love me some me. And I think it's time that everybody comes and worship me. See, he was bringing all these lowercase little G gods into Babylon, but he wanted to make sure everybody knew that he was the boss that he was the one they were going to worship, and that he ruled and reigned. And so he brings in the Babylonian marching band, and he says, listen, I've built my statue. When that band starts to play, everybody's going to hit their face, and you're going to worship my image. And if you don't do it, I'm going to roast you like a marshmallow. I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace, and I'm going to kill you graveyard dead. Folks, that's called motivation. Motivation. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there. The music hits, and they don't drop. Why? Because they believe in the one true God, Jehovah God. They know you don't bow down uh, to some false God like that. So they're brought before the king, and the king is like, hey, didn't you? Listen, the band's going, I'm going to strike up the band one more time. Didn't you hear them? And when they strike, you need to hit your face and worship my image. And they say, well, you're going to have it to do. They say, because, listen, our God can deliver us. But even if our God doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow down to your image. And so they didn't. And so Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the fiery furnace. But what's amazing is they throw in three people and they look inside. There's four walking around because God showed up. One of them looked like the son of man. God showed up. It was a miracle. And then when Nebuchadnezzar calls them out, they come out. Three come out. They don't even smell like smoke, not even burned a little bit. And Nebuchadnezzar sees this. This is incredible. This is a, a, a miracle. It's amazing. So Nebuchadnezzar has a small revival. And he's like, hey, man, these guys got their Jehovah God is something else. So I'm going to make a law. If anyone speaks against Jehovah God, the God of the Jews, if anybody speaks against them, I'm going to kill them and burn down their house. It's like, thanks for the support. You know, I don't know if you know this, all through history, the people that are in favor of burning other people aren't really on God's side. The people in favor of burning people are never really on God's side. It's true in 2019. There may be people in your life that are burning you down behind your back. Don't, listen, they're not on the side of God. People that want to burn other people down are not on God's side. And you look at this, you're like, really? Nebuchadnezzar? You're introduced to this amazing sovereign God. Daniel tells you the dream you had, gives you the interpretation of the dream. Your response is to build this stupid statue. You build this statue for everybody to worship. Then you throw these three boys into the fiery furnace. They come out better than they went in. And your response is to pass some law saying, don't nobody talk bad about Jehovah God. It's pretty wild. He's so caught up in his own pride. He saw this miracle with his own eyes.
And there's so many people. It's like you see God giving him opportunity and opportunity. It's like a lot of people probably here this morning. God has given you. This morning is another opportunity. He's given you opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. But yet, there's something in your pride that doesn't allow you to truly to surrender to God. And so Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. This guy, he, he, he must have sleep apnea. So he's dreaming all the time, okay? Crazy dreams. And this time, he dreams that he's a giant, that he, does, he dreams there's a giant tree with huge branches and that the tree fed all the people and all the animals. And then he dreamed a man of God came down, cut the tree down, and only left the stump. Only left the stump. And then he dreamed that he became like a wild animal. And he's running around. And so he's disturbed. And so he calls Daniel again to come interpret my dream. Why? Because Daniel was the true friend that had told him what, everything, what was up last time. And he calls Daniel again because he trusts Daniel. That brings me to me and you. Write this down. In our life, we need to listen to the right people. And do not surround ourselves with sinful sympathizers. What do I mean by sinful sympathizers? I was talking to people this week. Often we like to get in the echo, echo chamber, Right? Like, I like Tennessee football. You get me around some Tennessee football fans, and I'm just like, man, orange is great, ain't it? Yeah, orange is great. Hey, big orange. Hey, Peyton Manning's the best, right? Uh, you know, right? Just whatever. And it's just the same stuff just coming back, back, right? You get me in a room with an Alabama fan, and there'll be one less Alabama fan. No, I'm kidding. Listen. <laughs> yeah, roll on out the door, brother. Listen. <laughs> I love you. He's armed. Hey, Listen. Listen. All seriousness, but that's an echo chamber, right? We like, we like the same thing. Sometimes when we have a complaint, we go find a, a sympathetic ear so we can chew on that ear because we know they sympathize. And so they're just shooting the same. We're going through stuff, and they act the same way we do. We have the same problems, and then we're like, yeah, that's messed up. And they're like, yeah, that's messed up. And we're not really making any uh, 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 positive motion in our life because we're only surrounded by sinful sympathizers right? If you want marriage advice, don't go to the guy that's cheating on his wife. If you want financial advice, don't ask the lady at work who's filing bankruptcy. If you want spiritual advice, don't ask the guy on the job who acts like a pagan. Don't go to sinful sympathizers. Ask the Daniels in your life because God has put people in your life for that reason. Right? Someone who will tell you the truth about your issues, about your junk, about your craziness, about your anger, about your pride, about your interrupting, about your talking too much. People that will be honest with you in a godly way. Listen to the right people, not sinful sympathizers. Listen to the Daniels in your life. So Daniel gives the, uh, the interpretation uh, for the dream. Daniel says, okay, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the tree. And God is about to cut you down. Like the Johnny Cash song, God's going to cut you down, right? And so this is not the message anybody wants to hear. And then uh, here's what he says. Flip over in your Bible. It is literally it's two pages in my Bible. Flip over to uh, chapter 4, verse 24. Chapter 4, verse 24. He says, this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king. They shall drive you from, the, uh, from men, your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. What was Nebuchadnezzar's problem? Pride. He thought it was all about him, and it all came from him. And again, 
till you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Man. And so Nebuchadnezzar has to be like, are you kidding me? I'm the, I'm the greatest king in the world, and I'm going to run around like a wild animal? I don't think so. But think about the progression. It was idolatry and self-worship. The biggest form of idolatry in the world today is self-worship. We worship ourselves because we put ourselves in the place of God. We, we're, we've set ourselves on the throne of our hearts when God should be on the throne. We literally worship ourselves. We, I mean, I be, you want to know how I know that we worship ourselves? Do you know how many times? Times somebody thinks they know how we ought to worship better here at Grace Baptist Church. I mean, how often? I mean, how often there's like, oh, you know, it was warm, it was cold. That one song had too many choruses in it, and that song is too listen, and that preacher's too bald, and you know, and it's just, and it just goes, the list goes on and on. We worship ourselves, and we think that we are the standard by which everybody else is going to be judged, and it's just not true. Look at this next slide. Idolatry is putting anything in the place of God. Anything. And it's usually ourselves. So anyway, in the life of Nebuchadnezzar, you would think this. Come on, Nezer. All right, you, uh, God spoke into your life about that first dream. You did the statue. The men came out of the fiery furnace. Now you're having this dream. God's going to cut you down. So you would think that he would take the message seriously, right? And it's like, by now, Nebuchadnezzar, you should be getting it right. But he just, he just doesn't. It just doesn't. It's like us sometimes. By now, we should be getting it right. And we just don't. We just don't. And I feel for Daniel. Look at Daniel chapter 4, verse 27. I mean, you can feel Daniel's heart. He says, therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. He's like, Repent. Do good. Stop being bad. Just be good. Don't be bad, right? Sermon over. Be good. And, but yet, a year goes by, and Nebuchadnezzar does nothing. It's like a lot of us. We just, no, oh, it'll be all right. And he's like testing the patience of God. Look at this next slide. How long have you tested the patience of God? And God has spoken to you about something or someone or something, some area in your life. And you're like, ah. Oh. And you put it off. It's an opportunity for you to get things right, for let God to really be sovereign in your life. You've got the opportunity right now because God has you here right now. You can do it. God has called you here for a purpose. Nebuchadnezzar, 12 months goes by. Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. It's fine. Everything's good. Nebuchadnezzar, everything's fine. God said he's going to cut me down, but yeah, no, that's, uh, I don't believe. And so King Nebuchadnezzar becomes the prince of personal pronouns. He's in one of his mansions. Look at verse 30, Daniel chapter 4, verse 30. He's in one of his mansions, and here's what he says. He says, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? How did all this start? Nebuchadnezzar, everything you got is because the one who rules has given it to you. My, my, ah, ah, me, me, ah, ah. And then right after that, look at verse 31. And while he's saying this, while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And then immediately, like that, boom, immediately in that second, he's driven out into the wilderness. Go down to verse 33. 
It says that very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And he was there for a while, man. This wasn't like just an afternoon, okay? You realize how long it takes for your hair to grow like that and to be like that? He was there for a while. But you remember that stump that I mentioned a minute ago that God was going to cut him down and there's only going to be a stump left? I am so grateful that our God is the God of the stump. Because what we learn is eventually the stump starts growing again. You see, God could have just ripped Nebuchadnezzar up by the roots and been done with him. But he left him. He left him. Just a little stump. Pride will knock you out. Write this down. See, pride even blinds us of its presence. It's, you ever notice how easily, easily you can find somebody else to be mean prideful? Like, I can spot pride a mile away, but I almost never see it in myself, right? That's just human nature. Pride will blind us to its presence in our life. Some of you, during this message, you're probably thinking, you know, man, I'm pretty humble. That is the most prideful thing you could possibly say. This message isn't for me. I am so humble. Oh, Nezer's blinded by pride, and we are often. But I'm proud of him. Look at verse 34. Go down to verse 34. It says, And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Remember before, it was I, my, 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 I, my, my, my. Now it's his, 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 his kingdom. His, 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 his. Go down to verse 36. Cracks me up, but he's still Nebuchadnezzar. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. I mean, he's still Nezer, okay? Right? God's done a work, but he's still got the flesh. Now go to verse 37. It's like, okay, Nebuchadnezzar. He says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. Isn't that amazing? Nebuchadnezzar, he finally got it right. He finally, after all of this, realizing that he doesn't rule over anything, realizing that he doesn't reign over anything, realizing he's not in control over anything, and that the, everything that he has came from the one who does and is. His life was changed. It's amazing. Now, you don't want to go through what Nezer did. You don't want to go through that whole process. And at the end, there in the bottom of your notes, I've got three kind of practical tips for you. Write this down. The first one is this. You need to live with an awareness of God. What does that, what does that mean? Like, oh, Nezer... I have this dream, and in this dream this happened, and Daniel was able to tell him what the dream was and interpret it. He, he was having these moments, these times with God. Live in an awareness of God that God is with you. He's in that car with you. He's at that job with you. He's in your home with you. He's everywhere that you go, and that you can speak to him, and you can lean on him. Study his word. Spend time in prayer. Pray for yourself. Pray for other people. Live with an awareness of God. Stop pretending like he isn't sovereign. He is. Next, write this down. Also, capture the moment. And what I mean specifically is the God moments. Many times we'll have this aha moment with God where we know God is speaking to me through this message, through this worship, at this time through my reading my scripture, through my prayer. God is speaking to me usually about something, someone, or some situation, some sin. I'm having this God moment. But if we're not careful, we'll be like Nebuchadnezzar. We'll brush that off. And we'll kind of go, cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo cool. I had that experience. I had that moment, you know, and I know I'm, there's some things I need to be dealing with, 
but I'm busy. I got a life to live. And we kind of get away from that moment. You need to capture that moment and realize what it is that God is trying to do in your life. And next, write this down. You need to listen to the Daniels in your life. Do you listen to advice? Do you listen to the Daniels in your life? Do you listen to worship? Do you listen to the message? Do you listen to the word of God? Do you listen to God? God has some Daniels in your life for a reason. But you'll never know yourself until you know the God who created you. And the main thing is to know God. I won't ever understand my purpose or why on earth God has me here on earth until I'm fully surrendered to him. Where I can say, God, everything is yours and I humble myself under your mighty hand. That's what it means to be self-aware. That's when Nebuchadnezzar finally became self-aware. When he humbled himself before our mighty God. Enough humility to humble ourselves under our good, loving, caring, mighty gracious, merciful hand of God. That's where we find our identity in the one who created us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, don't let us be like Nebuchadnezzar. Don't let us be so hard-headed. Lord, help us to live surrendered to you, trusting you for everything. Lord, help us to live in humbleness and humility. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just a moment. Sim a posture of prayer. Those of you this morning, you're a believer. You know that you're saved, right? You've done that, all right? You know that you know. You know that you're a, believe, uh, a believer. But maybe this morning you've got a blind spot in your life. You've had that God moment. God has spoken to your heart about some area, some issue, something. Some, maybe somewhere where you've been in denial about what God wants out of your life. And it's your prayer this morning. God, help me deal with that. It's your prayer this morning. I want to pray with all of us, but that God help me to live out the truth that you are on the throne of my life. Not just words, but God, you really are on the throne of my life. God, help me as a believer to live under your authority, the safest place I could be. Is that your prayer this morning? Slip your hand up all over the congregation. God bless you all over the church. Let's pray together. Father God, help us to be a surrendered people. Help us not to get caught in the sin of pride, thinking that who we are and where we are and what we are is somehow all about us. But God, it's all about you. Uh, Help us to to see you as you rule and reign, that you're sovereign and that you loved us and that you saved us and you didn't have to. But God, help us to live as your obedient children that we will be a blessing to you and a blessing to others. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. For just a moment, there's some of you here this morning, you don't know that you're saved. You don't know that you know, and you know it and God knows it. And maybe you've had that God moment at some point, and God has spoken to you about your need to really be surrendered to him, to surrender your heart, to surrender your life, to surrender everything. Look up for just a second. God's salvation always comes from a place of humility. It's when we humble ourselves. Right? You can't get saved without humility. It doesn't work. Because first you have to admit that you can't do it on your own. You have to admit to yourself and to God that you don't have all the answers. You can't save yourself. See, the standard is perfection, and we're not perfect. The standard is holiness and righteousness, perfection 100%, and that's not us. And you have to get to the point where you humble yourself to God and say, God... I don't have it. Look at this verse. 
First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Your God loves you, and he wants to save you, but he can't do it until you deal with your pride and admit that you cannot save yourself. Have you done that? See, the truth is we're all sinners. We all come up short. If we were to do an honest inventory and a survey of our life, we're all liars and thieves and blasphemers and adulterators at heart. We have all sinned. And maybe you look around, well, I'm not as bad as her or I'm not as bad as him. And that's pride. Pride. The standard is perfection. And you have to humble yourself and admit to yourself, I don't have what it takes. But Jesus did. He came, born of a virgin, lived a perfect, sinless life. And he went to the cross. He died that perfect, sinless death. The only one who ever has. And he died so he could pay the price for your sins. And it takes humility to receive that free gift. Do you have it? You can. you got to humble yourself. God, the answer is not in me. The answer is in you. Let's pray one more time. Bow with me. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No looking around. Listen, I want to pray with you this morning. I want to encourage you. Has God spoken to your heart about your need for a Savior this morning? You need Jesus, man, and you need him today. Listen, I'm not going to call you out. I will not single you out. I won't drag you forward. We do not embarrass you. That's not what we do here at Grace. You know that. But I just want to pray with you. I want to give you just this opportunity, uh, this sign of humility before God that you desire to be saved. So every head bowed, every eye closed, right there in your seat right now. Do you need Jesus? Do you need to be saved? Would you slip your hand up for just a second? I'm going to pray with you. God bless you. I see you. I see you. I see you. In the side, in the back, in the front. Who else? Okay, guys, go ahead and put your hands down. Go ahead and put your hands down. Let me, listen. What, what do you need to do to be saved? Just humble yourself. And just talk to God. It's not this prayer. It's you being sincere and honest with God and simply saying, Father God, I'm a sinner. I sin. I do things wrong. Lord, I do them on purpose. But Lord, I turn from my sin. And I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. I don't have the answers in myself. I need you, God. Tell him, say, Lord, I'm putting my faith in your perfect death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. All of Jesus, I give all of me. Save me, Jesus. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just humbled yourself in that moment, and acknowledge your need for a Savior and ask Christ to save you, Scripture is clear. It says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to encourage you to make that decision public. Maybe you're here this morning and and you need to follow. You've prayed that prayer before, but you haven't made it public, and you know you need to be baptized, just like Drew was this morning. You need to follow through in baptism. Why don't you come this morning? We'll rejoice with you and schedule that time and pray with you. Maybe your baptism's on the wrong side of your salvation. You know it. God knows it. Baptism is for saved people. Maybe you got baptized at a point and you didn't really understand everything. Why don't you come this morning and we'll get that right for you and we'll rejoice with you and pray with you. Maybe God is calling you to be a part of the Grace Baptist family. This is your church home. You know it. God knows it. He has confirmed it in your heart. Why don't you come this morning and make it official and join the Grace Baptist family. Put on the jersey. Be part of the team. Whatever it is this morning, ditch your pride and do business with God. Give him this invitation. God, search my heart. I want you on the throne of my life, not me. No more. Let's pray. Father God, we surrender this time to you. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You come. Don't wait. 
Stand with me.